On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we begin our thankful for Linnea Quigley Month with Murder Weapon from 1989. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Yeah, that's why you got all these studs outside. That was Dawn's idea. Have you ever uh, told her that she's being manipulative? No, that would be really stupid. She's my best friend. This is episode 89. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-hoster who likes his chances amongst seven other dudes, Cullen! Now, full disclosure, I watched a Lethal Weapon for this episode, but I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, most weapons uh, that murder are lethal, so hey. <laughs> Put it there. And I want to make it clear, I said amongst seven other dudes, not with seven other dudes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very important classification. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks, because we know you didn't watch this movie. It'll make sense later. Today, we are here to discuss the 1989 film Murder Weapon. Cullen, what weapon would that be exactly? Two daughters of mobsters get out of the sanitarium after a killed a boyfriend in the shower. Supposedly cured and on the right track, they hold a party and invite their old boyfriends, making all of them think there's still hope for a relationship. Then the boyfriends start disappearing one by one. Murder Weapon is directed by Ellen Cabot, which is actually David Ducatau. 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 And stars Linnea Quigley. Karen Russell, Lyle Wagner, Victoria Nesbitt, and Eric Garbage Day Freeman. <laughs> Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our October. Congratulations to Bianca Elaine and Michael Kine of Zombie Natrix, who's just on the previous episode, but they like doubled pretty much their Kickstarter goal for that movie. So we are going to see it. We're going to see it in glorious fashion. So we can't wait to. You know, so what you're this saying is happen. her appearance in the show put them over the top, is what you're saying. Yeah, they had already <laughs> made it. We get, we got them bumped over. They, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Got a bump from our show. Yeah, that was that's what happened. Uh, surely, surely this would happen. <laughs> so, so we'll be getting a producer's credit. So that's, that's all I'm saying. So we're moving on here to uh, November, and we've had a tradition the past couple. Uh, our first year, we, we were like episode five when we hit November, so we didn't really, we were staying away from theming things. I mean, because we thought yeah. about doing something for November, but we we're like, too early, too early. We wanted, too early. We wanted we don't to know give, people can tolerate us yet, so let's just right. <laughs> keep going we were, on. We were trying to give you guys a variety of, of different kinds of movies at the time, so we didn't push themes except for, or like, I think we, uh, what was it, Spectre came out, so we did uh, Never Say Never Again, which 
that's a one-off, and then we move on. So, and we hadn't done a spy movie, so there. Well, we've been doing. We did Neil Breen famously. Some of you guys might know we like Neil Breen. Uh, maybe I don't know. He's got a new movie coming out. We haven't seen it. We'd hope to see it. We'll cover it on the show when that happens. When we feel that life is empty, that's when we will watch the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And once again, what? We'll- you can't go down anymore after watching a Neil Breen movie. It's like, all right, well, existence is useless. This exists. And and as always, we will ask him to come on the show, and he will reject us, as he has uh, two or three times already. Just know, folks, we're trying. We're but he will trying. offer to take our money for a copy of his movie. Yes, uh, our other thankful person we'd like to we would love to have on the show, but he's dead. Uh, Andy Sedaris. <laughs> Did him last year. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I didn't want to leave the Sedaris universe. So we're going to get back to it. Don't worry, folks. But I was like, I want to finish it. But um, we got we, we, we did that. Like Donna and Taryn. Taryn's gone. Donna will be back. We did three of those. So we caught up from our hard ticket. And now we're going to do not a, not a filmmaker. Well, a filmmaker in her own right. She's she's done some producing and directing. But uh, Linnea Quigley, who is a B-movie superstar, especially in the horror genre from the 80s, when a lot of people were doing horror. But, I mean, she was, like, into it. Like, she liked it. She enjoyed it. She, you know, championed it when, a lot, when it was a taboo thing. She said, fuck you. I'm punk rock. I will do horror movies, which, notably, her big ones, she's done... You know, Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Demons. We've covered her here twice. She was on uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then uh, not the Garbage Day one, although she's in that one in clips. So technically, this is her and Eric Freeman's second movie together. And then we did Savage Streets, which is one of like my favorite movies we've done on the show, where she was Linda Blair's little sister. But now we're giving her a month focusing on her. We're going to do three movies, uh, the first of which... It's Murder Weapon, which is a film by David DeCanto, who, despite who's credited, that's who did it. And she did a couple movies with him, and she produced it, too. So, and is a star. We're going to cover some of her movies and be thankful for Linnea. Maybe we'll have some surprises for you along the way in this month. I don't know. So, Murder Weapon, this movie, I'm going to start here, Cullen. Take a look at the poster. Okay, so it's like they're both wearing like some kind of leather jacket and like the cover is i don't know let's say 30 percent titty is that a conservative estimate it's your local strip club's parody of the lethal weapon poster (laughs) it absolutely is (laughs) it's got the tagline cinnamon and and dynasty here are out for revenge is what the poster looks like (laughs) it says they lust for revenge they do it at night and they're more than lethal murder weapon now cullen yes Look at that poster. Let me tell you, what genre of film is this movie? If you, if I told you, if I, hey, this is a slasher movie, you would say, <laughs> fuck you. No, no it's shit. not. I would say, hey, look, <laughs> Andy Sidaris has made a new movie. That's exactly. what I would say. Right? It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, we have Andy Sidaris knockoffs? Awesome. <laughs> It's absolutely what it looks like. It's just women with enormous breasts and a gun. That That is a lot of it's these like we, movies. It's like, we want to make an Andy Sedaris movie, but we can't afford his photographer. Here's the poster we came up with. <laughs> we can't afford to fly the crew up to Hawaii, so we'll just do this. But this is a slasher movie, and I'm just like, okay, Murder Weapon? Sure, that title fits slasher, but it also fits action this looks like a buddy action movie, <laughs> low rent, late night on Showtime or Cinemax. 
And it's not even close to that. I guess there's guns in it. And there are boobs in it. But yeah, this poster is so not this movie. It drives me batty. So I'm starting there. <laughs> so folks, look if you're... I, I hate to be so visual, but look at the look up the poster. It's going to be the posters always with our episodes. If you go to our website, if you if you go to any of our social medias, you'll see the poster for this movie. So maybe I'm not stretching it too far, but yeah. So this movie, uh, let's start it out. There's not a lot of background of it on it, but we open with uh, Linnea Quigley who plays Dawn, and she's in bed having a dream of herself walking with books around a neighborhood as a woman named Amy in a swimsuit sunbathes by the pool. So, like, Linnea looks like she's, like, coming home from school. Is that... <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes okay. from, like, Cinemax to Elm Street, you know? It's <laughs> like she's, like, laying yeah. in bed all, like, sensually, and then the next thing there's that, like, bright, hazy glow that, like, the early Elm Street movies had, and it's just some blonde girl walking by herself. Like, And it is, like, flipping a switch as well yeah it's like it's not real it looks like she's outside but that's like dream outside which technically kind of uh is um so don enters the house as a like creeper guy wanders (laughs) outside and sneaks up on the woman amy and she's putting suntan lotion on don gets herself a glass of milk (laughs) yep this is this is all happening yes this is a sequence of events. The creeper jumps a woman, but it appears that they are fond of each other, and they leave the pool holding hands to go inside and hump. I'd like to point out that y- you've summarized this in, what, uh, let's say a minute or so. What do you say? This has got to be, I don't know, well over eight minutes of the movie, something like that. It is. And and also, there's a, we see Amy lotion the hell out of herself. <laughs> She's using a bottle uh-huh. and a half this entire time because it is really just like the one girl does something and then the other one's lotioning herself. One girl does something and the other's lotioning themselves. And neither one of them seemed to be of any importance or consequence to the rest of the movie, but it sure does go on for a while. I mean, we see her take the take the milk out. We see her take the cap off. We see her pour it. We see her put the cap on. We see her put it back in the fridge. We see her walk over to the milk. We see her drink the milk. She has a milk mustache. She licks the milk mustache off and wanders. Yeah, it's it's uh. It's pretty well, long. they have to show they have to show every step because otherwise there's plot holes, right? That's how movies work. That's true. So Don yeah. wanders out to the pool and puts her feet in it. And I want to mention like during this this whole thing. So it's it's long. It's taking its fucking time there's no sound except from some like birds and then like this loud adr of don's feet splashing and when she goes to put him in the pool there's no sound but there's just loud score there's no sound and there's no there's no dialogue during this entire time like you said like there's no sound at all like not even dialogue nothing yeah like door shuts no sound they didn't roll speed during this shoot don winds up going and watching the couple bone through the glass and she goes to the kitchen she grabs a big knife and after amy and her boyfriend have finished don wanders in naked with the knife to amy getting dressed and amy screams and then don joins amy's fertilization machine in the shower and uh during this we keep cutting back to sleeping don to reiterate that oh this is probably a dream we're watching and not the other way around Dawn and the guy hump in the steamy shower, and then we hear the guy grunt and blood splatters onto the shower door, and then, oh, shit, it's the credits. <laughs> it's the title <laughs> and the credits. Just, I was like, this is, oh. 
this is the first 10 minutes of our movie, folks. Ten I minutes. thought the credits I thought the credits already happened because it starts with like so and so presents, but it right. has Linnea Quigley as a producer above the credits. So my mind had thought I already saw like cuz I mm-hmm. see it I'm like her name comes again. I'm like did I'm like, "Oh, we we really and, didn't see the credits. We just saw the opening and that's what black it, background." Right, and that's what happened to me where I was sitting there watching it and I felt like I think did I just space out the credits like I guess I did. Whatever. And then they came up like, oh my God, I didn't. This <laughs> just never happened. And and boy, the way, it, uh, boy, howdy are they ever credits. It's three minutes of credits. Three minutes, black background with a moon. And then like the, the lettering has like quantum leap lighting behind it. <laughs> yes. And it's every person in this movie, I would say, gets their own screen credit and i don't mean like it's all grouped together i mean one name at a time is appearing on mm-hmm. this screen for three minutes they you had say, to get it to- like you say the three minutes that's not a lot that's not long it sure does feel that way when you're watching especially after you've watched 10 minutes of nothing happening well apparently this opening of the film was shot way after it was finished i believe and- it and then considering how long the credits are and slow, they weren't, a, I mean, I, the movie's an hour 21. Put the math together. They weren't feature length long. Yeah. This, so the, this... the, the reshooting, uh, the shooting of this opening and then making the credits slow as piss, they, that's how they got to their feature length. This movie should have been called Padding Weapon. Don is in a dark room with a doctor, and she seems to be in an institution, and he's going through tests to see if she could function in is society. I, I couldn't tell. I thought I guessed. <laughs> As I'm watching, I thought, are they on a spaceship? What the fuck is happening? Like literally, the that would only have been the best reveal. <laughs> well, there's this low rumble sound through the whole s- scene that's, again, like 10 minutes long, and nothing is lit in this room except for them. And when I say nothing is lit, I don't mean like, oh, you know, you, there's some reflective lighting off of them, you're hitting a wall. No, nothing. They're in a black fucking void. They're the only things lit in no, this room. No, it is, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a great environment for a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> No. I'm no doctor, but it seems like a poor choice. I guess going back to our Mazes and Monsters episode, this is the like opposite because you know you said they're not allowed to have white rooms. So right, like, what about a completely black? <laughs> they're not interrogating the Joker. What? <laughs> Throw some lights up. Oh, How awesome that, would have been if Batman just showed up and just slammed on his face into a table. <laughs> that would have required some light so we could see <laughs> Batman showing up. So. The, the doctor's going through some tests to see if uh, she could function back in society. She's a hair hostile about doing a bunch of tests. She was the sole survivor of a tragedy where a killer spared her. She claims she survived because... People die every day, and I'm a realist. Have you ever wondered why you were never touched? Bad things only happen to good people. You really believe that? I always hated the thought that people thought if they went to church every day lived a straight life, they'd be immune to what's out there. That's bullshit. Don't get me wrong, I miss my friends and everything, but um, it's not going to bring me back. Do you ever have any nightmares about it? That's all I had when I first came. During the conversation, we learned she was a mafia princess, and she talks about her family a bit, and how her father used to sexually abuse her and her friends, and she had no one to turn to, and the doctor asked her about Amy, who she calls 
like the sister I never had, but I get mad at her sometimes. And he feels Amy takes advantage of her goodwill. Don feels Amy is what's kept her alive, quote unquote, in this pit. They have a deal with that whoever gets out throws a party for when the other gets out. And the doctor mentions her and Amy's test scores aren't too promising to let them out, and she rips them up. So, like, I guess it's like a math test to get out of there or something. <laughs> the doctor gets super pissed about her tearing up paper. Don't you have backups, Doc? No. Well, that kind of behavior will not be tolerated. Like, calm down. Like, this is a person that you think is a murderer. Is tearing up paper that big of a deal at this point? So then she convinces the doctor to sign out on her release, and she's already had another doctor sign off before this, and he says, condition. What's that? One last taste of those delicious lips of yours. Like, oh, that's great. She's mentally unstable, and she was sexually abused by the people that are supposed to be making her better. Cool. Cool. So, so like... Wait, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Like, this whole scene, it's long, as the kids say, long AF, right? That's how they say yeah. it. Yeah. And all... All that seems to matter from this this whole thing of sitting there, I tried to be kind and give you guys some details of like what they talked about, but all I, that matters from this is her name's Amy, <laughs> her name's Dawn. Uh, they might be like messed up in the head. Honestly, that, and that's it because this whole scene, it's literally you know what I said earlier. It's just like those two lit. That's it. It's just her talking. For it's got to be like mm-hmm. ten, another. It's damn near 10 minutes, so we get the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes of the movie that just really aren't all that important. And that's how you start your movie with 20 minutes of, you can take yeah. or leave it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you're right. The only yeah. take, the only important things are, her name's Amy, her name's Dawn. They may or may not be killers. They, that's it. And, and they, they try to, like, put this mafia stuff on us like it's important, and it is not. Yeah. No, no it's, it, it's not at all. It is like, it, like like later in the movie that one point like someone's like says something about them being like mob daughters, but it doesn't matter. It's not important at all to the movie. It, it you see zero mafia people in this movie. If there's only if there's any payoff to it, it's one line of dialogue later on that really didn't even need to be in the movie and doesn't change a thing. I'll, I'll point it out if I remember, but like I said, not important. So Amy swims in a pool. And some beefy guy approaches. Guess what? It's Eric Freeman from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. You know. Garbage day! No! (laughs) Garbage day Day himself is in this movie. That's all I wrote his name down as. Is Garbage Day. Because why? Oh, yeah. I don't don't care. His name's Garbage Day to me. He adds excitement just by being in this movie. You're like, oh, I'm watching another movie with Eric Freeman. <laughs> like he got he, he got work in more than one movie. It's amazing. This is great. It's perfect fit for his talents. He slits her throat, and then Amy awakes at night in a chair by the pool from this dream, and she goes to put water on her face, and then is grabbed from someone in the pool, and then wakes up again. <laughs> And it's daytime, and she's at the pool still next to dawn. It wasn't just that she was grabbed by someone. It was like a zombie arm that fires out of the water. Yeah. 
Which, folks, there's no zombies in this movie. I don't know why that happened. Nope. I don't know why that happened. I, I, I can't say, I, I, I can't put it any more clearly than why. Just At least it happened why. in a dream, I guess. I don't know. This whole movie, I, I have no idea if it's, if, if dreams are happening or like the, the, the chronology of this movie is effed. It's entirely effed. Well, and I'll tell you what. At this point in the movie, we've had probably more runtime minutes in some sort of dream than we have reality. Is it a dream? Is it a flashback? Is it a fantasy? What's happening? Inception weapon. There we go. So Amy's parents are out of town. They have uh, some small talk about boys, books, Amy's mom. Guess what, dudes? No, it's entirely unimportant. We we I couldn't hear what the hell was happening through a lot of this conversation. Right. Like we watched this on Amazon Prime. This is currently free on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. It, it. The good news is it's the Vinegar Syndrome transfer of the movie from their Blu-ray, so it's not Nightmare Weekend. The bad news is like the score is fucking overbearing in this mix. So, did you ever do it with Dr. Randall? No. But you two are cute together. I thought it was a Really? It's just like every other man I've met. Are you still taking your pills? No. Why? It's a pretty You look great. I'm not gonna... Like, like my notes are, are in, you know, just big bold letters turn down the music like like you filmed it you thought it was important enough but it turns none of it's important at all because it's just them talking about boys i think i guess i really don't know Heading that runtime I, I wrote down the note about the music and then does anything important happen in this movie because as far as i can tell nothing important has happened i don't know how f- we're what a half hour into this fucking thing nothing has yeah. happened nothing's progressed at all Oh, you'll probably be saying that in an hour or two. So Amy zonks out again and dreams of talking with her psychologist because, God, I was hoping for another scene like this. And she she talks to him about abusive boyfriends, claiming she's attracted to the competition of it and the ability to get them to do things by arousing them. And then she talks of a sensation and dream about the beach. And then he gets her to relax with that thought, and then Dawn awakens her with a drink. And and her doctor is Lyle Wagner. Yes. Who, he's great because he's acting so much better than everyone else in this movie so far. Lyle Wagner is like when a kid in high school makes a movie and he has someone's dad show up for the day because they need an adult and he ends up acting better than everyone else. That's what Lyle Wagner's (laughs) part is because he's just sitting behind a desk just saying his dialogue and acting as well as he needs to for the scene but everyone else tries very hard and cannot do it as effortlessly as Craig's you know real estate father. (laughs) Two dudes arrive at the house and meet up with Two other dudes who are sitting out front of the house. One of them is... Garbage Day! No! (laughs) And uh, they claim they aren't home, the girls. And then uh, one of them says, Amy once tried to light his car on fire. And then then they go up to the house and Don lets him in. 
as Amy finishes a shower, and one of the guys named Carrie is there waiting for her outside the shower and wants to shave her legs for her. Be gentle. Don't worry. I'm pro. And it's a it's a sensual moment as we watch this happen. <laughs> and then we see him shave her legs. And it's not just like a you know, not just a stroke or two. We we, we say we, we see him shave her whole leg. It just well, that, happens, just goes on. And she, she imagines taking a razor and slitting his wrist before startling back awake. At least it's a weird scene that uh, a movie needs something like this, right? <laughs> just to grab our attention again. Like, even to grab our attention, it still does something boring. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, all yeah, it knows it how to boring. do. It's, it's more the thought of that they included this in the movie. That, that, that it that is actually need, fun to watch it play out, yeah. That the filmmakers thought, yes, we need to see this character shave all of her leg for a while. It's not sexy. It's not sexy at all, no. Also, she just got out of the shower. Come on, girl. What are you doing? <laughs> so the other three dudes just chill and talk about how crazy these girls are. Don brings another guy around the corner because we can't get any more dudes in this. This is Sausage Party the movie, yes, by the way. Exactly. We then cut to Amy, who is apparently fucked Carrie till he passed out. She's like, I think I fucked him to death. She returns to the pool and meets Jeff. Garbage day! Who was once engaged to Dawn. Uh, and then, okay, so Jeff, you know, I just had a thought. Okay. Do you think Jeff was put in that weird pool dream sequence where he slashed her throat just to be like in some poor filmmakers kind of way of like setting him up as a suspect because they have nothing but they're like let's do that and then people think he's going to kill everybody yeah this movie really does feel like <laughs> like a who done it without ever actually setting up that it's a who done it or me caring who's doing it yeah i guess that yeah that's also accurate like, like it's a who done it by people who don't know like what, what like someone heard about actually, a who done it is yeah yeah like it's, like it's been described to them like boy I'd sure like to do that someday but they have zero idea how to do it the only and the only who done it they'd heard about was Friday the Thirteenth we're like and at the end you just pick somebody and it's them <laughs> or you just bring someone in that hadn't been in the movie at all it's one of the two yeah. Uh, <sighs> And also, so, like, like when like a new guy is introduced to this party, I don't remember like which one of them says like, "Is this Fantasy Island?" Like, well, it is if you like dudes. Like, there's literally only two women <laughs> in this entire movie. This is the 1980s at a pool with guys that are not into that. Totally not into that. <laughs> this is not so much a party as it is a gathering of people. It is awful. Okay, <laughs> Cullen, we're going to go back to a touch of crass for a second. <laughs> yeah. But this is a circle jerk situation. No, it absolutely is a because circle jerk situation. these guys left alone <laughs> would totally, totally be a circle jerk. These guys are keyed up, and I mean, they're all hoping to get with, with the women, but I mean, I mean, come on, there's only so much that they can do all week, and they can't... I mean, they're going to be raw by if the end of the weekend. If they weren't getting killed, it would come up. <laughs> no, there, there are actually multiple times in this movie where it's just like a couple of guys alone in the room, and I'm, I was totally waiting for them just to start fucking. No joke. Yep. <laughs> at some <laughs> no, point. No, no, yep. 
they just something to look at like they're just close enough where it's like okay are they gonna kiss or they're like gonna grab the other one's thigh like something's yeah, gonna happen here right they sit close on the couch oh yeah and real i know close. it's probably to keep them all in frame but mm-hmm. damn and those shorts are real short it, i'm just totally waiting just for a, just a hand to creep up a thigh there's so much of this movie and listeners Please don't mistake uh, what we're talking about being like homophobic. The humor is this is coming from a time where they're not realizing what they're doing while being homophobic people. Like that's what yeah is driving is making me laugh so much because like oh my gosh. Jeff asks Dawn if she's seeing anyone. She's like oh a couple of guys. Oh okay. <laughs> they're uh, probably at the party. The party. <laughs> and uh, one guy does a lot, does some coke in the car. Don takes Jeff to the garage <laughs> to go to the store in a convertible. And in the middle of switching shirts, uh, they decide to start hooking up. And he tells her, Come on, baby. I can't make love to you in your car. I respect you too much. Just give me a blowjob instead. Let's just go get the fucking beer. So, just a really just an excuse for her to take her clothes off is is, is what it is, and it's not even mm-hmm. rewarding or anything like that. It's just like, oh, she's naked, and it's over. All right, what? Like- and for those 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 hardcore fans of Silent Night Deadly Night Two that were like, man, I want to know what he's like with his shirt off. <laughs> yes. there you go. Happy garbage day. Oh my god! But I love how they show the guy like just doing the coke in the car because it is literally what. What do you say, a second and a half where you yeah. see him? Like, you just kind of put it together like, well, I think it was Coke. It's what it seems like he was doing. But it's just such a short, brief thing. Like, why is that even? There's so many shots in this movie that just last for a second and a half that I just, they absolutely make me scratch my head and just wonder, like, why is that important? Does that establish something? Why are we watching this? <laughs> So a man in boots arrives at the house. Another dude! Uh, Billy, his name, he wanders off. He's looking for Amy in the garage. An off-screen figure winds up smashing his head with a sledgehammer after he trips over some wire. And it's actually pretty pre- cool. Yeah, it's actually a really good effect. They smash the fucking shit out of his head, and you see it all, and it's it's awesome. I was like, I, I sat back up. I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, because we are we are deep into this movie, and we finally <laughs> yes, get we a kill that is like we believe is an actual kill, and it's like the effects are really good at it. And I just like we, see that, and I we just were, think, like, why did you wait so long to do this? We were in the middle of watching the most like sausage-rific, uh, like '80s teen sex comedy movie that wasn't funny and didn't have any girls in it, and uh, then this happened, so it was a nice relief. Yeah, like yeah, this. Uh, we're in the middle of Boner Party 14, and then suddenly there's a murder. <laughs> so we then meet the badass guy, <laughs> quotes, badass, as he introduces himself to two dudes tossing football who are he, Bart and Kevin. <laughs> he <laughs> is Eric. He is, we know he's a bad boy because he wears a leather jacket. And he has slightly longer hair. He's like the guy that wears the leather jacket in head of the class. He's that kind yes! of bad boy. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, so Eric finds Amy and they talk as he creepily drinks a beer. He'd been in like county jail for six months and she claims she missed him, but he wonders about all the dudes outside. And then uh, she bla- she blames Dawn and then they suck face on the couch, which when Eric meets those dudes, He's kind of like checking them out. Is like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to be tag teaming one of these women with him, with one of them. 
guys? Like, like, like. Who's going to be the best to awkwardly make <laughs> eye contact with during? Like, that's how he looks at the other yeah. guys. Like, he's like, all right, who's coming in the bedroom with me? <laughs> like, if I'm going to fuck one of these girls, I want him to look good while we're fucking. Who's got the best hands for the Eiffel Tower? (laughs) At some point, she's going to be picked up. Can they pick her up? (laughs) So Don and Jeff return. Amy introduces Eric, who is in the band called the Chainsaws. And uh, Billy and Which, again, isn't important at all. No. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm cool with him just being the guy in the leather jacket. All right, so so let, let, let's just uh, just figure this out real quick. Has any information been given in this movie that's important other than Amy and Donner in this movie? They're and they're close, and they may or may not be murderers. Has any information been delivered that's important other than that in the entirety of this movie, Brandon? Mm, when you break it down like that, uh, no. There, I mean. <laughs> They were the I, I they they oh went out of their way to just tell us simply they cry. Yes, we are just so deep into this movie, and the most important thing that's happened in it was and they like boys. They like boys. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So thirteen minutes into this thing, something important happened, and now someone has died. But then there's more exposition that means nothing to anyone, and it just keeps mm-hmm. going. Billy and Carrie are still nowhere to be found. Eric starts telling tour stories about uh, boning women on the road with the 86 Van Halen tour as he sits next to Amy, who he was talking about missing so much. (laughs) Well, there's nothing women love hearing more than other women you've had sex with. They love that. They love to feel like you're just another- I don't love them road hoes. (laughs) I don't love them road hoes. Like, look, what I'm just saying is, you're just the next one. That's all I'm saying. So at nighttime, Dawn is getting ready to bone Bart, because they hooked up somehow through this. Don't know. He's in the room. <laughs> yeah. You he goes, and she goes, Me? No, no, I'm just, I'm more of the strong, silent type. More like Clint Eastwood. Make my day. And we all die a little inside. And Clint it's, Eastwood saw that scene, and a tear started going out of his eyes, slowly down his face. The first attempt at comedy in the movie fails tragically. <laughs> As they bond, Carrie returns by the pool. Everybody else is hanging out and planning to play a drinking game. After Don and the dude bone, she leaves, and he is, like, murdered via a hand <laughs> reaching up from under the bed and through his chest? How did this happen? <laughs> How? What? Yeah, I like, know. it looks good. It looks awesome. But it's like, I can't, I, I, like. Yeah, it's like he's just laying there. And he just looks does like, huh, what? And then, yeah, the chest pops I'm like, his... It's a hand. It's like a black gloved hand. I'm like, was a spear too expensive? Like, what? <laughs> Like why? Like when did Jason Voorhees walk into this movie? It's never been like like <laughs> these women clearly don't have the strength to. Well, it's not even that they. It's punched through his chest. It slowly yeah. emerges it's through slowly, his yeah, chest yeah. from under the bed. So yes. it so it's to be a hole under the bed, like a hole through. Yeah, like yeah, because otherwise, if there's no hole, <laughs> then they have to slowly. 
punched through a mattress and through an entire human body to come out the other side. Like, okay, how long no. are your arms and how much strength do you have to do that? And like I said, it's not like a quick motion. It's a slow, <laughs> slow emerge. It's like the speed of like when the alien like slowly emerges out of John Hurt's chest. It's like that yeah. slow of a motion. Like, what is... Fuck. But there's not no, that sudden no, I wanna, spurt. I want to add to this. <sighs> Think about what you know at the end of this movie. Like, <laughs> what happened here? Was he like, oh, that was good, baby. Why, why are you crawling under the bed? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? Hey, that tickles. Like, what? What kind of? What kind of shit is? Oh! Oh my god! <laughs> How did you do this? There was no <laughs> hole in the fucking mattress. <laughs> Like, there are so many contradictions. There's so many. Like, what the hell? He's like, just, the scene is just, just fascinatingly baffling. Baffling. Like, he's like, he just laying there, thinking, "Oh, my back feels kind of weird, huh? Like, oh, my insides kind of hurt." Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> and like he. Like, what is she like? What do you think? Like, did, like he was awake. He didn't like go right to sleep. He was like sitting there watching her. And you have to be like, wait, what are you? Why are you crawling under the bed? Like, what? Yeah, he watches her. Uh, he looks right at her when she like I guess leaves the room. <laughs> like, there's no In way you could... for this to happen. She, she no way you can miss her or not leave. Oh my god. Well, she's <laughs> Not only does she punch through his body, but she has to punch slowly through his ribcage. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't have a ribcage. He has some kind of bone disorder where he just where there's just the consistently the consistency of jello. So that's how she can punch through his whole body very, very slowly. Alright, well we need a break And for a break, we get another dream sequence And it's Amy talking daddy issues with her doctor And during the discussion Killing people and Eric comes up He talks about dreams possibly being the past memories And then we come back to the drinking game And Carrie passes out uh, Jeff is just dazed uh, and Eric and Amy decide to go fondle each other And they bump into Kevin at the stairs Which Kevin's like He looks just like Garbage Day But he's not He's like his stunt double Or his yeah, Muppet I he, One of the two. Yeah, if you were, weren't so familiar with Garbage Day, you would very easily confuse the two. Like, I just wrote down mesh shirt for this guy. I didn't give a shit about, like, about his name at this point if, in the movie. If I told you, if you're like, hey, Garbage Day's in this movie, you're like, okay, and then you see that guy, and you're like, man, he looks different in this one. Because you would be like, oh, that's him, but he, he looks like he put on a little weight. But then like, oh, no, wait, that is, okay, he is there. That's a different guy. So he's looking for Billy, and then he goes down, and the guys chat and play poker. Amy and Eric pause their initial sex maneuvers to discuss her time in the hospital and, and his band. Like, that's good back and forth. Uh, Amy then decides to handcuff Eric to the bed, and they resume fornication. The other three dudes sit and watch uh, some Cinemax. And uh, one of them's like, They must be doing a marathon fucking match up there. <laughs> no, you dated her. No, I was talking about Donna. So what's she like? It's okay. A little rough sometimes. Sounds like my kind of girl. Yeah, she's uh, probably waiting for me. What about Bart? Oh, he's probably sucking sheets. Go on. Boner. 
No, that's not cool. <laughs> Go on. Kevin starts wandering the house. He walks in on Amy and Eric as he searches through the upstairs of the house. Carrie then goes to get another beer, and a gloved hand grabs a bottle of champagne, breaks it, and then shoves it in his neck. <laughs> it's like the whole top of the bottle, too. It's like, it's a neat effect. I mean, it but fits in his neck. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, again, like, you don't, like, no, you don't have that strength. You can't do that. I don't believe that for a second. I mean, it's sharp, but the, the bottle, like, his neck had to go for the bottle to fit that nicely in there. Like, that, that's a big-ass bottle of champagne. And, yes. and like, his ne- like it wouldn't fit, like, round in his neck with how big that thing looked. But Oh, no, you'd have to have, like, the third of Lou Ferrigno for it to fit yeah. completely in your right, neck. Yeah, so, but again, like, like, again, it looks neat. It's just not, you look at it like, no, this doesn't, none of this adds up. I mean, neat effect, but get someone else to do this or, uh, I don't know. Makes more sense than the, the, the hand through the bed, through the chest. <laughs> it does. It does. So but after that, dumb. I'm willing to, I'm willing to like just accept this. This seems normal. <laughs> it's like, like you watch like, well, it's less physically impossible, even though his neck would have to expand in order to actually. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, so Jeff searches around. He sees Carrie's blood, but no body, and he grabs a knife and searches the house, bumping into Kevin. He shows him the blood and says someone killed Carrie. He gets Kevin a knife. They devise a plan to stick together and search every room. Kevin suggests calling the cops, but Jeff says he probably cut the lines. How about check check first? (laughs) They don't even check. They just, like, drop that line. Kevin freaks that, okay, here we go. Remember when I said the mob thing would come back for a line? Kevin freaks out because it could be a mob hit because of Amy and Dawn's dads. And they need (sighs) to leave but be careful. So they make a run for it to Kevin's car. But Jeff then freaks that there might be a bomb in the car. (laughs) So they have to try another car because of the mafia thing. And they, they go to the convertible in the garage, and Jeff tries to hotwire it as Kevin finds a gun in the glove box. And, man, these two are just so much fun to follow, this section of the movie, right? This is... Because <laughs> it, it's them, let's do this. No, we shouldn't do that because of that. Like, oh, well, okay, then let's go do this. <sighs> it's just them guessing that there might be some kind of danger. Two beefy dudes with less than civic theater acting skills, <laughs> sliced slightly above high school athletes yes. in play for like 10 minutes, these two guys. Is it 10 minutes? I, I'm sure it is. Every They're like stuck in a kitchen talking forever. There are so many 10-minute segments in this movie that just don't matter, so I'm sure that this is 10 minutes long. Because like, th- yeah. there are multiple times where people are just like searching for someone else, and thankfully those aren't ten minutes, but they certainly do feel w- way too long. Jeff then freaks, so he gets the gun, but it's too late. The killer's there and shoots Jeff point blank in the <laughs> face. I don't care how fake it looks; it was awesome. Garbage day. Well, yeah, like, yeah, like, 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 you see, like, his tongue, like, flop around and then, like, fall up the side of his mouth. It is, I don't know, it looked, looked good to me. I really liked the effect. Kevin runs back in the house. Eric leaves Amy bedside and goes downstairs and is grabbed by Kevin, who is very suspicious. Once he realizes Eric didn't do it, Kevin gives Eric the lowdown, and he's like, it's one of the girls. And he goes, at this point, I don't care. I just want to live. And uh, the two pair up and discuss escaping, but actually they never do it. 
Amy busts in, thinking Carrie's blood is tomato juice, and after being very inquisitive on Amy, they all leave the room together to get the cellar. Eric gets stabbed by the killer. Kevin fires off some shots uh, with no responses from Eric. Amy and Kevin go to the cellar. They find Amy a gun in this box that's down there. Like, oh, here you go. You found the gun, Link. And Kevin goes back for Eric. Kevin wanders past one of the crew members. This scene, oh, yes, God. Okay. okay, so let me set this up. So that Kevin goes back to find Eric in the living room. So they're in the cellar, and then we cut. Yeah, one of, the, one of these beefy blonde dudes just moseying around. Yeah, the guy in the mesh shirt, right? But he didn't show up in the room for a good five seconds. Like, it establishes the room yes, before he yes. enters. But there's already somebody in the room. <laughs> in the right, on the right side of the screen, there is... Like a light. And when I say a light, I mean a light that the filmmakers are using. A, tr- a light on a tripod, and there's a guy standing next to the light holding a cup of coffee. With a headset on. With a headset on. Like, like, and, like, the TV's on during this, too. Like, it's, like, static on yeah, the TV. Yeah, the, yeah, the TV is, uh, yeah, like you said, static It's kind of in front of them. Well, it, it, it's in the shot, too, but, like, it looks like a parody is about to happen, yeah. but it's not. It's just a crew member is entirely in the shot, standing next to a light. It like, is plain as day. And Kevin comes in to search the room and like walks by him like he's invisible. It's hilarious. And when I first saw this person standing there, I thought like, oh, are they like, is this like uh, is a jump scare about to happen is you know because it, it took my brain a m- moment to uh register what was happening i really felt like oh this is gonna be part of the movie like no no he, that person shouldn't have been in the shot at all because <laughs> it really yeah, i thought it was gonna get like meta or something where it was gonna be like this movie getting filmed or like the doctors doing some like experiment thing like, I was like oh here here's the jig it's a trick on the... no yeah no any, any suspension of disbelief that you might be holding on to through this whole movie completely flushed down the toilet just because <laughs> that guy's standing there with his cup of coffee. Blood Freak doesn't even have something like this. This might be like a huge first in our show. Like, I can't remember now, something this, like this. Yeah, this is probably the biggest error I think I've seen in a movie. <laughs> Like, you know, every once in a while you see, you know, a, a boom mic might pop into a shot or maybe you see, like, uh, someone's hand that shouldn't be in there or whatever. I've never seen a light and a whole body just standing. It's ridiculous. How did no one? Like, you know, and, like, and there's like, even It's possible. This was shot for home video. This was shot to be a VHS movie. But still, you try not to shoot for that because he's in the corner so obviously if you rented this on vhs you didn't see him back in the day but when they restored it for the blu-ray they probably they put it at like the the 185 aspect ratio and opened it back up again and then this guy's visible but you still could have cropped him out so whose fault is it? is it the original shooting or the people when they restored it they should have looked at the reel and cropped the the film better for the transfer if hmm. the filmmakers only ever intended for this thing to be a four by three picture then we can't i guess we can't blame them but but it we don't know it's hilarious as fuck it is amazing to just be like what? Like it just you it will stop the movie dead in its tracks for you. For a movie he's, that has already stopped itself dead in its tracks for you many times. He's in to the do movie bullshit. He's in the movie for so long, I'm surprised he's not in the opening credits. He's my favorite character. 
Um, <laughs> I do so, root yeah, for after, him, yes. When Kevin walks by, he comes in the room, and uh, Amy is surprised in the basement and stabbed at. Like, we don't see anything content. We just see a knife go by the camera. Kevin finds Eric, who's bleeding bad, but he's, uh, he's he claims he's been through worse. Kevin gets Eric to the cellar. Amy is missing. The killer pops out, but then Amy jumps out and dumps gasoline on them. The guy is then unload on the killer, which uh, sets uh, the killer into flames, which at this time I'm like, oh, I, I guess it's Dawn. <laughs> I guess it's their killer. Like, you know, like uh, oh, okay, because no one like really... Not that I, you know, needed a pamphlet, but like I, I thought there'd be some sort of reveal better than they don't even say like, oh, it was Dawn. Like the last line we got is like, it's got to be one of the girls. Yeah. So I guess and because Amy is on fire, then I guess it's Dawn. You know, judging by the female screaming, and then uh, like she did all this strong little bitch. So that's their line saying like, see, this was all possible <laughs> because we mentioned that <laughs> she. she- can- Apparently, she has a hydraulic arm where she can slowly push her fist through a mattress. Yes. And a human body. (laughs) So, Eric and Kevin laugh it up for a moment and uh, then come to Amy's aid. And Kevin goes to check Don's burnt to a crisp body as she opens her eyes and grabs him. And then the credits come on. (laughs) Yeah. That's the movie. That's, Eric that's Eric finds his his devil's three way buddy finally. That's the that was the big arc of the movie. It was Kevin. If it would have ended with a devil's three way, it's like, all right, well, that's fine. At least that's a you know everyone gets what they want, so that's nice. Except for all the yeah, deaths. So the the big sausage party, you know, decided to like rid itself of a female. Of course, there's a. The dude to girl ratio was very, very bad, and they just decided to take out the other female. Uh, but that was mur- well, murder weapon. Well, I bet the guys were probably relieved. Like, man, I thought we were gonna have to get to a circle jerk. Like, I didn't yeah. want to, but I wanted to get off this weekend, and I think I just, was, just wasn't on their list. I guess. I mean, they they started the opening ceremonies by playing that drinking game. Yeah. Well, like, and you yeah. said, like, when they were just like on the couch talking about how they used to date. Uh, Don or Amy or you know whoever, whatever it's, it's irrelevant. They were very close on that couch, and like there were pauses in their conversation where it really felt like someone was gonna make a move on the other one. Oh no, yeah, it was all over. They had no idea, but it was there. It absolutely was. And how much of this movie is a dream, and how much of it actually happens? Good question. <laughs> because like. A lot of those murders that happen, I can't tell if they're just fantasizing about killing someone or if they actually did kill someone. Like, even like the very beginning of the movie, I'm not sure if that actually happened. Yeah, it's a lot back and forth. I want to imagine that the whole murder party thing happened. Yeah, I guess. And, and like the, like the, the house being on fire, I mean, I guess that happened because that's why they went into the psych evaluations in the first place. But... Mm-hmm. Other than that, who, like, well, I assume that the first part of the movie is a dream because Amy is in a bikini and the guy that comes up to her to make out with her is wearing a sweater. So what's the temperature? If you're wearing a bikini, you should, no one else should be wearing a sweater and vice versa. You sweat your ass off. So that's, that's probably a dream, right? Probably. I, uh... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, her coming back to life at the end, maybe that's dreamish. Maybe maybe one of the boys <sighs> decided to dream. But that happened, though. I thought, like, are we supposed to care or what? And, and oh, again- no. Ke- Kevin's not going to make it. No. <laughs> and again, I thought, so was that part a dream or... I don't like the only reason I have any kind of indication of what the time frame of this movie is is because I read the, the, of the synopsis I read at the beginning of the episode where after they were released that's when the party <laughs> happens. I really didn't know honestly when I was watching this movie mm-hmm. I didn't know like if the party happened before or after these evaluations. <laughs> I thought maybe that's yeah, why yeah. they were in there in the first place but then like when Dawn's face was burnt like oh so I guess it's after that. Ugh, God Brandon I watched this movie I paid attention to it. I yeah, took I notes. Did. All one hour and 20 minutes of it, yeah. Took notes, what, two sentences? Like, that's, I mean, that's I know. Not... It got to a point where <laughs> I thought, like, all right, if movie, if you're not going to give me any content, then I'm not going to take notes on what you're trying to do. I'm just going to get the broad strokes because that's all it kind of mattered. I don't know if anything mattered in this movie. No, I don't know. That, that's what this movie could have been called. Does anything matter? Does it? You can, we'll still keep, see. you can still keep the same poster because the poster didn't matter at all to the movie, so it, it all works out. Man, Don will go down on anybody. That's the reason I broke up with her. Sure as shit, but who wants a girl with 31 flavors between her legs? Yeah, you say that now, but what about next Saturday night? Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. We are cult cinema cavalcade. We keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means don't go to the party. Dude fest. Stay home. Drink a beer there. Don't involve yourself in circle jerks. Converted, <laughs> which means uh, you kind of, you know what? You'd give us one of these ladies a chance. They may be batshit crazy, but maybe not for you. Maybe they, you'd be the guy to turn them around or something. I don't know. Or drinking the Kool-Aid, which means it's fucking garbage day, bitch. This is awesome. Murder weapon. Movie of the year. Cullen, how do you rate murder weapon oh, man, this, is a, this is a hard one like even if, as i was watching it i was trying to think how am i gonna write this and those are always the hardest ones uh to write when i have to consciously think about how i'm going to write a movie um this thing isn't batshit insane enough to be drinking the kool-aid you know uh before we started recording Brandon said that to me, you, know, you, you always say that you look for like a dangerous men level of absurdity. And there's definitely- Quote unquote, <laughs> Hack-O-Lantern. You said, whenever, for every cult cinema cavalcade movie, I want dangerous men. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, there's definitely some- some of those vibes here, but it doesn't quite go. Into, it's it's weird. It has that feel, but it never fully goes into that territory of total absurdity. You know, and like I said, nothing seems to matter. It just goes on for a while. God, I, I mean, I guess I'm converted on it. It's not, it can be a difficult watch, but I think, I know we've had more difficult watches than this, honestly. But it's mm-hmm. just, d- just for a few of those moments, like seeing that <laughs> that crew member... And some of the kills are actually really good, like we said, but it's a head-scratcher as to understand what's going on and if anything will ever matter, ever again. So, Brandon, how do you rate Murder Weapon? This is a tough one, like you said. I'm, 
<laughs> we got a movie where a lot of in between the lines are like excellent Kool Aid moments. The sledgehammer to the head kill, like most of the kills, most of the kills. There's there's things that are like batshit and crazy that do happen in a couple spots of the movie, but there's a lot of bullshit, a lot. And but the movie didn't f- it didn't feel long. I actually liked. I was very fond of this movie for the fact of my writing my script. I could just sit back and just like, okay, well, this stuff's happening and I can tell it means nothing. Or I could summarize things very easily with this movie. But, I don't, man, I don't even know if this works for every crowd that likes to watch midnight movies like this. I could see this like not going over well with people, like a group of people. Because of those just dead moments and then like the first kill that comes, it's like, oh, comes in a random spot. But it's... Man, it's weird. It's weird. So if you, oh man, if you want converted, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay with my family on this because I think I had more fun discussing this movie. Like I had a blast discussing the shit out of this movie. This is a this was a fun one to discuss. But I just, I'm on the. Some people, yes. A lot of people know for watching this movie. I like Lene, and I think she's she's always bubbly and like fun to see in movies. And but I just oh, there's a, a lot of expositional talk that means nothing. There's some cool deaths, but it's mm, I'm gonna stay with my family. Uh, the movie does work for me in spots, but overall it's like yeah, there are better ones. And this is barely scratching the itch you want for like the Dangerous Men. It's oof. it's tough. There's Kool Aid moments in here. There, but I don't know if I can go completely converted, but I'm not confident on my stay with my family. Because <laughs> I think I'm going to stay with my family because one of us needs to be there converted and one of us needs to be staying with our family. <laughs> and Just to show how up and down it could be. Yeah, and with so many of our other movies, uh, when I say uh, converted on this, I mean don't watch this alone. And not because it's so scary, but because it'll be much more entertaining when there are other people around to watch it with you. Right. That's good. We usually watch these movies alone. So there's like a whole, but but we are pretty, I'll pat myself on my back, but we know what would work with a group. We right. can f- sense that feeling. We won't watch it. And we're not the only people in the world that can do that. A lot of people know, um, but some people might not. So that's why we always talk about the group thing. But Colin, we, we have a way to describe this movie to people, don't we? Yeah, we have a perfect way to describe it. When I was watching it, I texted you and said, this is like if John Rad directed an Andy Sedaris movie. You know, John Rad, the director of Dangerous Men. But and then you raised the stakes and you 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 gave the perfect description of this movie. You said that it, it's a John Rad directing an Andy Sedaris movie with the set designer of Samurai Cop and the cast of Nightmare Weekend. And it's an absolutely accurate description. <laughs> it's all there. We've done three of the four movies on this show, but everybody sees people know Samurai Cop. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what it is. Like and- these people feel like Nightmare Weekend people. It's almost like the, the, like Andy Sedaris' Nightmare Weekend. <laughs> Well, the audio quality is similar to the video quality of Nightmare Weekend. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh, my gosh. And that sounds like a glowing fucking (laughs) cell on this movie. (laughs) But hold yourself in check. The uh, pool filter in this movie was very well miked. I cannot say the same for some of the people. 
But you'll need pay more patience than any of those movies where things happen constantly in those movies. This one. Mm. The Absence of Importance. Another title for the movie. <laughs> On the live line, the excitement is bubbling over right now. Call us now. Why be lonely when you can talk to us? I just love this jacuzzi. Don't you? Call me, please. We have some wonderful secrets to share. No recordings. We're real. We're live. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers from 1988 to continue our Thankful for Linnea Quigley month. And that will be episode 90. As always, thank you for streaming, downloading, subscribing, liking us catching up or back cataloging it or being a pro and showing your support for our show people like adam o'brien thank you it's great always always a pleasure to deliver to you guys when we do and we look forward to next time but first stay tuned for the trailer to hollywood chainsaw hookers the trailer that actually trails When you work in Hollywood, you learn fast that there's just two kinds of girls in a town like this. The sweet, shy, innocent ones. You know, the ones you want to take home to mom. And then there are the other kind. The ones you just want to take home. Sometimes they like to play a little rough, but then these aren't your average girls. Oh no! And this isn't your average movie. If you haven't figured out by now, there's something for everybody. Well, almost everybody. There's action, romance, and a cast of thousands. It's Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. These girls charge an arm and a leg. I think it's time somebody cut you down to size, Jack. Have you ever considered therapy? I'm going to enjoy splattering you. Hostile. Very hostile. What a great set. Yeah, I know. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's a comedy that'll leave you in pieces.
for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Garbage Day! Huh? No!